everyone to star wars from the back to tank we are back in the cockpit david and i as well as reyna hello hello everybody it's good to be back yeah it is good to be back it's been a long time that's typical though of this time of year we we need to take some time off typically we take what the first two months of winter off pretty much yeah post christmas it's the only way we can survive and get through the rest of the year the the (laughs) 10 months of grueling schedules and what 47 eight hours 47 eight hours 47 to 48 hours of recording dude it's gonna get even more hectic for at least us because look at what's in the horizon yeah we have the book of book of boba fett then we have the Bad Batch. Yep. We have to cover the Bad Batch. And we are. That's awesome. Yep. And then you have basically what we think is the Obi-Wan series floating about somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot to cover. So we need those months. We need those two months to relax and and get ready for all of the topics that we have. And oh, yeah. today, Dave, we have a lot to get through because <laughs> over the last two months, so many things have transpired it was hard to keep up with everything in fact the original notes that i put together was about seven pages i'm not surprised it was just one star wars topic after another and i had to cut three quarters of it like all right we're just gonna cover this (laughs) right here this small little section and the first thing we have to discuss we have to get it out of the way despite reina's complaints Uh, we got to talk about Gina Carano. Yeah. I think most Star Wars fans know that she was fired for uh, tweets. Yes. Do you think like 15 years ago, anybody would have thought, yeah, I'm going to get fired for writing 140 characters. It's something that actually me and you have been discussing off, uh, off and on on uh, other shows and stuff about how like people have to get, be really careful nowadays about social media. Yeah. It got to, it's, it's now something that you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to worry, but you shouldn't, but dude, it times are changing. And it's one of those things that I've been telling people, we, in, especially in like in film school, there should be like a section of film school now that tells you, Hey, PR, you need to actually be careful about your image. Right. But like, otherwise you're going to get lynched. Otherwise. Yeah. It, it because people do not care. 
Listen, if I was <laughs> as big as Gina Carano or any of these other celebrities, I wouldn't even be on social media. I mean, what, what, like, why take the risk? And I understand that they shouldn't have to live with that risk. I understand that. But at the same time, I just wouldn't take the fucking risk. I'd be like, wow, I'm fucking making tons of money here. I'm living the dream. I don't give a fuck about Twitter. I'm not going to post because I don't give a shit about any of you. (laughs) So we're not going to get into the political nuances of why she got fired because this isn't a political show. Yeah. Um, But it's pretty clear that we, I think, as a show, it's a little silly that she got fired. It's it's a little hypocritical of Disney to fire someone for stating an opinion when they allow every other actor that's affiliated with Disney and Lucasfilm to tweet and um, debate and discuss their opinions. But if it's not the opinion they want to hear, they're going to fire you. And listen, that's well within the right Disney's right to do that. Yeah, on the flip side, yes. It's their business. They can fire and hire who they please based on the image they want. Is it hypocritical? Yes, but it's also their right. You're you're not dealing with the issues of free speech. You're dealing with an employee who's contracted to work for you. For you. And within contracts, they specifically give themselves loopholes and ways out of contracts with actors and anyone else who's affiliated with them. If they do something that they don't agree with. And and the thing is, is like, especially nowadays, people should not be surprised when a company does this because it is becoming more and more pre- prevalent. I think yeah. is the word it's becoming more and more prevalent in a lot of companies now where they, they will actually take a look at your social media to do background checks. Yeah. Everyone should know that by now. And if you want to get hired onto this company, you have to have it in the back of your head. Uh, that that company's going to be looking at my yeah. at my social history and see like what type of person I am and judge me from that. That's what I did with Raina before I brought her on the show. I went through her TikTok <laughs> just to make sure it's appropriate. And you still let me on the show? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was yeah. like, well, well, as long as you're not saying anything too political and you're just acting silly and dancing. And shaking boobs, then that listen, that's okay. That's okay. You're always gonna shake my titties on TikTok. I'm trying to entice the listeners, okay, Raina. Okay, fine. I'll start shaking them on TikTok. Dang. That's that's OnlyFans, actually. <laughs> Shit, I need a, one of those too. Uh, yeah. So Gina Carano is no more. And I feel like the biggest reason why I'm not overly upset about this is I don't think it's a a secret that I wasn't really a Gina Carano fan to begin with. I feel like she probably she was probably the weakest link on the show. Uh, If you go back to our season one discussions, uh, there is a few rants of mine where I just say, why would we hire someone with subpar acting skills to play a part in star Wars Yeah, on Disney plus it just doesn't. And I feel bad saying that because I actually ended up really liking her by the end of season two. I was like, she grew on me and she is charismatic and she has great screen presence. And ultimately that's what won me over despite yeah. the fact that she's not the greatest of actors. And I mean, in one of our critiques of her, because I'm also, I'm also, I, I've also been critical about her, her acting in the series, but also we've been looking at it and saying, Hey, we're seeing progress. 
she's, oh, she sure. was getting better and better, yeah. especially when she's paired up. I mean, one of the one of the last episodes we covered when she's paired up with an actor that has experience, like when she shares the screen with, say, like Pedro Pascal yeah. or Carl Weathers, especially with Carl Weathers, suddenly she's more comfortable. And then all of a sudden, all the all the problems that we have with her stiff acting goes away, probably because she's with someone that that is experienced because Gia Carano's not exper- an experienced actor. Yeah. I mean, she, she came from the MMA and then jumped on to jumped on to acting like probably within the last, what, five years. It takes acting many, many years yeah. to get down that, to get it down pat. And when we're, exp- uh, and you know, being hard on her at the very beginning was fair because she jumped in, she needs to learn. And that's what she was doing throughout the throughout the both season was she was learning and she was progressively getting better. But also like what the criticism that I shared with you was like Lucasfilm and Disney have to stop with this just because they have a social media presence and they're like a a a celebrity, say visually, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a good actor. You know what? You know how I would solve the problem? Just, hey, listen, if you want to work for us, no Twitter. (laughs) And if you're on Twitter, guess what? Here's what you're going to post. You're going to talk about this specific episode. You're going to take questions about this episode. If you want to work for me so I don't look like an asshole (laughs) down the road when I have to fire ass for saying things that I don't want out there, you're just going to sign here. I'm going to pay you two million an episode, and you're just going to keep your fucking trap shut. You know what that that's called, Mike? A NDA. Yes, <laughs> David. I mean, it's not a terrible idea. It gives the actors an option to say no, I don't want that, and then step away if they don't. If that's not what they're going to do. Exactly. exactly, and then we don't have to worry about all this controversy and this nonsense, and watching the Star Wars fandom split in half again. Because that's what happened with this Gina Carano thing. Yeah. It just split. We were finally coming together because of the Mandalorian. When it didn't even have to split either. That's the thing that irritated me was the fact that the whole situation sucked. Everyone can agree with that. That the whole situation in total sucked. But there was no one. There's no reason to take sides. I I will say this (laughs) politically. Okay. And this is the only thing I'm going to say. Yes, Disney can do what they want, but in the in the act of fairness, you should have fired Pedro Pascal as well. I agree. I mean, he he, yeah. called, he called Republicans and Trump supporters Nazis. He did exactly the same thing. <laughs> in fact, did. in fact, I say he what he did was worse because he was absolute in his statement, whereas Carano was being diplomatic. And had a a flair of diplomacy to the way she was tweeting. It wasn't antagonistic. It wasn't offensive. But if you read Pedro Pascal's tweets, I'm not a Republican. And I'm like, fuck, dude, you're calling all Trump supporters Nazis and and people who support immigration laws as, as fucking Gestapo. Come on, dude. That's not even a fair comparison, nor is it accurate. Why don't you go back to Argentina where they are horrible people to their citizens? You want to talk about government and policies, talk about the government you came from and why you came to this country because this country is fucking great. 
That's why you came here. Isn't that correct, Pedro Pascal? <laughs> <laughs> but the th- and the thing is, when you take a look at like, see, I'm what like, both... who's that guy in the Bible, Dave? Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm on a roll right now. Oh God, who's that guy in the Bible who split the child in the center? That was you remember Saul? Was it Saul? Yeah. Uh, King uh, Solomon. King? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's King David. It's King David, I think. Like, listen, you can't decide who's right and who's wrong. You split the baby down the middle. And I would have just fired both of them. Fuck off. We don't even see Pedro Pascal anyways. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Like, we could do without him. Not that I really want him to get fired. I don't want to see actors get fired over this stuff. They, no, I think no. they should no. be able to say what they want, even if I don't agree with it. Right. So... <laughs> We don't even see him, though. <laughs> but, and that's the sad thing about it is that, yeah, I'm being hyperbolic and silly. I, I honestly don't feel like anyone should be fired. But I'm just saying in the act of fairness, why not fire Pedro Pascal as well? Because he's doing the exact same thing. Exactly. But if I was running the company, I just wouldn't fire any of them unless they were outright being pieces of shit. shit. <laughs> like, listen, people talk, people converse. Imagine putting a, a tape recorder in everyone's bedroom or dinner table. And guess what? Chances are you're going to say something that's going to offend someone out there. Is that really how we want to live our lives? And it's sad that we expect regular celebrities who aren't overly intelligent to begin with many times, many times you're putting them on a pedestal and expecting them to be role models. They're not role models. They're actors and they're people. Yes. So the biggest problem I had with this more than anything was the fact that Cara Dune was getting interesting. Her story was progressing. And that's the first thing I thought about when they had announced they fired her. I groaned. It's a shit. Now, where's her story going to go? And then I felt a little better because a few days later, there was some news that leaked that had alluded to the fact that they are looking Lucasfilm. They are looking to potentially recast Cara Dune. And I'm an advocate of recasting. I've always been. I thought we should recast Princess Leia. Let's not hurt the story because we lost the actor for whatever reason, because of tweets or because of death. It's a good story. And they positioned her in a very specific way place towards the end that made you feel like okay there's more to this story there's more coming however since that bit of news that was leaked we've got a little bit more context and it looks like lucasfilm is not planning to recast recast. they're just gonna let the character dissolve now here's the here's the thing that i want to ask you because i actually read the article you sent me and it had me thinking i've always been like you i'm a proponent it's been done since the dawn of cinema. If you need a new actor, you just recast. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work, but for leads, she's not a lead. Yeah, but this is not something that's brand new. This isn't going to hurt the audience because we've had characters time and time again, famous characters be recast. And listen, if you want to really get at Gina Carano and your Disney, like Cast like a super hot chick as Cara Dune. <laughs> then really tick off people. But now I started thinking after I read the article. Well, yes. Focus on basically that the recast isn't norm, is, isn't uh, abnormal. 
Nowadays, though, just because, and I want to get, it ties into what we we opened the show with, is like, nowadays, people are so venomous on, on social media and PR. PR has become like a weapon for fans now that the thought of recasting could be a bad thing for the franchise because that's just more bad PR that you know fans out there are going to probably try to pile on. Now, I feel like if they let time go by for a bit, like look at the armor. The armor wasn't in season two at all. But if we were to go back to her in season three, it would feel okay. Now with Gina Carano and her character Cara Dune, maybe not recast immediately. Let season three go by and then maybe by season four, we bring her back in as a new actor after time has gone by and emotions have have calm. Perhaps fans won't be as upset. See that? Yeah, I, I can understand that because then that is ticking into into context about, you know, like nowadays production houses have to be careful about their PR. Yeah, because it just it, it just damages the product. Reyna, what do you think? What do you feel about a recast for Cara Dune? I personally don't want it. Uh, I I don't know. I think maybe you're right. Emotions are too high and maybe time will kind of alleviate that. Um, I just think that it was such a big blow up when everything happened the way that it did, that it's going to be hard to kind of forget that if they do recast a new character. Yeah, it might feel like a finger in the eye, you know, like when if they were to move in right into That's season three I mean. and they have a, a new Cara Dune, it just might feel a little insulting to the fans that really love that character. So, yeah, let emotions settle down a bit and let's continue her story at a later time. I mean, they put so much money into merchandising as well. Do you really just want to see a character fade? Let, let's be clear here. We're talking about Star Wars. You can't erase Gina Carano. She's forever a part of one of the biggest Star Wars stories of all time. One of the most popular at this point. Yes. You can't just pretend the character doesn't exist. She will always be there. And in 15 years, people are going to be like, what happened? <laughs> that, is, that, there, that is true. And we're going to read this in film books. And we're going to realize how stupid it was Hopefully. that Disney fired her. That's what I that that's what I think is like historically right now it is not looking good for the current uh, current heads of Dude, Disney. We have stu- and just to get on a soapbox for a second, we have studied these types of things in film school, yeah. and we have studied specific. I'm talking po- high end politics involved in the film industry in the 50s and the 60s, mm-hmm. and uh, the propaganda that was put into movies to push an agenda. And I'm not talking about art and pushing progressive thought. That's different. I'm talking about agenda and activism. And those pieces of of works, you want to call it works? I like to call it shit. They're never looked back on favorably. They're always yeah. looked at as some of the worst time in in cinematic history. Like that's yeah. a really bad time because they really force fed you know, agendas, this has happened before. And we always go back and realize how fucking stupid, stupid. it is. Yeah. And, and it, it boggles the mind that basically sometimes that 
all the stuff that people have been complaining about has been going going on for like 50 years. No one says anything during that time. And it's like, okay, suddenly you want to blast it in, in about a year and think that it's going to disappear in a year when it's been around for like decades. No. All right, so let's switch gears a bit here. Let's talk about the Book of Boba Fett. Now, when we had gone to winter break, we were talking about that Mandalorian finale, and there wasn't a lot of information yet pertaining to what exactly the Book of Boba Fett was. We had theorized and speculated, oh, it's a movie. Oh, it's an ongoing series. Well, since then, a lot of information has come out. Number one, David, Robert Rodriguez is going to be the showrunner. Oh, shit. God. Okay, that's yes. fucking amazing. <laughs> I am not the biggest Bubble Fett fanboy, but I will quickly become a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> if Robert Rodriguez is actually leading it. Dude, we get a guy who knows how to run television. He knows how to make a dollar stretch, which is what Disney Plus wants for their series. Yep. I mean, dude, I couldn't think of a better person, especially since he's the one who officially brought Bubba Fett back. Yeah. Officially in that episode where he was just kicking everyone's ass. And dude, I mean, that episode that he directed and and was the leader of arguably was the best episode. Yeah. In terms of action, without a doubt, just amazing action. So the book of Boba Fett is going to be executive produced by Robert Rodriguez, as well as Filoni and John Favaro. And it's only an event series, which I'm okay with. And if you don't know what an event series is, basically it's a miniseries. It's just a new pretentious way to say miniseries because miniseries is very dated. When I hear miniseries, I think of those terrible lifetime films (laughs) uh, from (laughs) 90s. Not that I think of. Yeah. So event series sounds so much more cool. So that's what we're getting. And that will replace the Mandalorian season three, but only for that, that specific time. Instead of getting the Mandalorian during the winter, during our holiday season, we're going to be getting the Boba Fett event series, which I'm okay with that. I feel like this, give us a little break on Mandalorian. And let's move into this book of Bubble Fat, which looked fucking amazing just from that little snippet, that post credit <laughs> sequence, that soundtrack, that score, having Boba Fett, Boba Fett climb theme. to the throne. So good. I'm psyched about that. What exactly do we know about this spinoff series so far? Not a lot. We just know that it's going to be centered around Boba Fett. And honestly, I don't know if I want to know much more. I want to be. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I think that they they should have some mystery into this because it goes with the character. Yeah. If they just spill their guts right now and say everything, it just for in my opinion, it ruins the theme of that character. The character is has been sh- shrouded in mystery for decades. Yeah, keep the series a secret. Don't release anything about like what it's about. Let's all find out when it comes out because if they really want to bring light to more characters that deserve it, that's how you do it with, with Boba Fett. Yeah. Fine. Do it with Boba Fett. Just that's why, that's why I'm like really cautious. The only thing that has me really 
happy is the fact that it's in good hands. We know that Robert Rodriguez will do a fine job. Mm-hmm. And Filoni and Favreau are, the, after season two, it really does seem that they're on the same page. Well, Favreau, I have my issues, obviously. I feel like he's a good filmmaker, but in the ways of TV, he struggles a bit with the formatting of television and, and creating proper act breaks Absolutely. In, in, an ep, in an episodic format. But listen, he's only going to get better because he's intelligent and he's talented. And the more experience he gets, he's just going to get better. So having him attached, you're right. And having Filoni attached and having Robert Rodriguez attached, I can't imagine this sucking. It, it just can't. It can't because like, especially since all three of them just seem to be on the same page. Whereas if you look at like other parts of Star Wars, me and you have always criticized there is no leadership. There doesn't seem to be any like set set plan in place that everyone follows. With these three, since season two, it just seems that they know where they're going. Okay, oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna set up Ahsoka, we're gonna set up Bo- Boba Fett, and then we're gonna go right into Boba Fett. Yeah. For the first time since 2012, it feels like Lucasfilm has a direction for Star Wars. Yeah. And it being the Mandalorian, I know people are saying Obi-Wan is the flagship because they're just more excited for Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is an event series. One and done. The flagship of Star Wars is the Mandalorian. And the fact that you have now how many spinoffs coming from it? shows you that there's a clear, concise direction that they're taking this particular era. And I'm talking about era, uh, chronologically speaking, in the way of Star Wars canon. They're really going to flesh out that time. I mean, that's good. I mean, it feels like it makes sense. It's not that I'm not happy and I'm not grateful, but I feel like it's a lot of fan service mapping that they're doing. And I'm kind of hoping that this Boba Fett series really separates Boba Fett from Mandalorians so that the Fairweather fans have an idea of what the fuck is really going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong, Reina, about fan service. I, 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 we might have said something like that either off air, Dave, or on the show. I cannot remember. But that's the general consensus with many of the hosts on the network who are all Star Wars fans. Bobby, Ryan, we've all discussed that we like what's happening, but they do need to. And I don't want to sound like a regular, like the the typical Star Wars fans where we're never happy because I am happy right now currently, but they do need to do something a little different and not so fan service because you are right. Even though the Lucas, the Luke Skywalker moment in the finale was great. It does feel like. Favaro is relying heavily on fan service to deliver the thrills and the water cooler talk opposed to story. Yeah. And that's something that they need to slow down on. Um, That's why I'm excited for the Boba Fett series because Rodriguez knows how to write. Yeah. And he is of the school of thought of doing things like Lucas. Okay. We've seen this before. Um, Let's do this because we've never seen this before. I mean, he's a cutting edge artist and I feel like him being in charge of a series. Sure. There'll be those fan service moments because we're dealing with a time period um, that. Um, 
I should say we're dealing with a time period where Boba Fett lives and you're dealing with a Boba Fett series. So there's probably going to be some fan service, but it would be yeah. nice to really feel like we're doing something unique and possibly something that the Internet didn't expect or talk about beforehand, because it does feel like people have. It feels like sometimes the Star Wars fans are geniuses because they're speculating and calling things out. I'm like, are you a genius, genius. or are they just delivering fan service? Exactly. And that's you see it throughout the entire seasons of Mandalorian season one and season two. Favreau went into the series and God bless him. You know, he went into the series as a fan. Oh, look at you. God bless. Him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, but he, he, he did. He went into the series as a fanboy. He wanted to be. He, well, he didn't was... look at it like like what we were saying. You got to look at it like a, a, an actual television producer like yeah. Filoni. Yeah, because Filoni. He'll do the fan service stuff. Yeah, but he's also a television writer. Yeah, but he'll never forget about uh, what the story is about. What is it curtailed to the story? And just like what you said, the one thing that he learned from Lucas, what is it that you're doing that's new? Well, look at Clone Wars. There's no fan service moments in there. No. It feels just everything. Sure, there's moments that fans can rally behind. But for the most part, the Clone Wars feels... Like when, when something does happen, that's, you know, applause worthy. It makes sense. It doesn't yeah. feel like, Hey guys, I'm holding up a cue card time to applause because this is what you all wanted. Yeah. And you are right about Favaro being a fan boy a bit, because if people had forgotten the reason why the Mandalorian was made was because Favaro wrote it as a fan as a and fan. never expected it to actually get made. Yes. He was literally writing fan fiction. Yep. So I'm hoping we do deviate from that a bit. And when Filoni takes over his own series, which is going to be Ahsoka, it has to be. And Rodriguez takes on Fett. I feel like we're going to get into territory now where we're going to be able to explore scenarios that, that um, very capable television writers will be in charge of yeah. fleshing out. And I don't think they're going to rely as heavily on, on those moments. No. And if they do, it's going to run. It's going to fans are fickle. And if we just feel like we're being, you know, jerked off the whole time, eventually it's going <laughs> to run its course and it's all going to backfire. So I, I, I feel like at this time in star Wars history, because we're dealing with Filoni, uh, he's very much aware of fans and he's very much aware of what needs to be done. And he has made decisions that doesn't always go well exactly. with, with the fans. But in the end, when you look back retrospectively, you look at a story and you're like, yeah, that fucking works, dude. And, and that's the thing right there. Look the story. At, look at rebels. Yeah. With Darth Maul. People wanted Darth Maul to live on and continue on. But what did he do? He killed him. He killed him. People wanted the inquisitors to continue on. And be around forever but what did he do he it, killed them he killed them and if the, he was delivering nothing but fan service the inquisitors would still be fucking alive and darth maul would still be alive yeah. but instead he knows when to call it quits yes because he has to stick to the story that he's working on and that's why you know the one beauty thing that i don't think a lot of people realize especially with the luke skywalker scene because everyone points to that as a crowning achievement for favreau it was a great moment, but the beautiful part about it 
was the narrative wise, it didn't deviate from DeJaron's story. No. It didn't deviate from the story that it had to come to a climax with DeJaron's story. Yeah, ultimately Grogu. it worked. You're right. And that that's ultimately what separates that Luke Skywalker moment from being a fan service moment to being a a well-written epic scene for Star Wars. Yeah, but let's just be clear. Um, Brett Ratner, the worst director alive, could have directed this episode. And if he used Luke, people would have, like, cheered. And said, oh, my God, Brett Ratner, who cares if you molested a woman? Please make more. Jesus. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Since we're on the whole Boba Fett train here. There's going to be a Marvel epic crossover that has to do with Boba Fett. Seems like Marvel and Disney is all on board the Boba Fett train. Like, listen, you know what? This is the year of fucking Fett. So not fucking Fett. Like, no one's fucking Fett. But I'm saying this is the year of fucking Fett. That's Star Wars does, parody. Does that form. make sense? <laughs> is everyone clear? I'm not talking about fucking Fett. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Finnick. Is that her name? Finnick, yeah. Yeah, maybe her. So stupid. All right, so the year of Boba Fett, it's going to be a thing. They're going to make sure they promote the hell out of Boba Fett, as if he needs promotion. But they're going to do it, and he will be taking center stage of a giant crossover event that's going to intertwine every ongoing Star Wars Marvel comic going on currently and it's going to be called the epic war of the bounty hunters and it will start as a one shot i believe dave correct me if i'm wrong it'll start as a one shot then it will move into the star wars ongoing title yes which is you know featuring luke and han and leia the original crew yeah then it will move into vader then it will move into dr afra and then it will move into Baylar Valance's Bounty, Bounty Hunters. So it's going to be awesome. And I'm actually pretty stoked to, I don't know why I'm excited because I'm not, I'm not a ridiculous Bubba Fett fan. And yet I got really excited when I read this news and maybe it's because I love Dr. Afra and I love Baylar Valance. So I'm like, all right, let's bring these the story all together. Let's see them all work together. It'll be fun to see Boba Fett interact with Dr. Afra. I don't think we've seen that yet. Have we? No, we haven't. And that's going to be the interesting part too, because we're going to get to see these characters during the time frame of empire between empire and return of the Jedi. And the thing I liked about, about the concept of this was Charles soul. Who's going to be the sole writer. That's going to uh, take care of the whole event. Uh-huh. He, he basically pitched the idea that between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, we know that Bo- Boba Fett is taking Han Solo's body to Jabba. That takes time. So what happens during that time frame between him being hunted by Lando and everybody and getting his cargo to Jabba? And that's that that was what Charles Soule's pitch was. And we like Charles Soule, huh? Yeah, right? he's, yeah. He, he's done very well for writing for Star Wars. And that's the other thing, too, is like you have Charles Soule taking full control of this epic storyline. 
and he wanted he he personally requested to actually do this uh story because he wanted to do a Boba Fett story. It's exciting, man, and it's starting in May and it it will run through October. It all kicks off according to the official press release here with War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha number 1 from Soul and artist Steve McNiven. Yes. Uh, let's see. It'll go into Marvel's entire post Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back line, including Star Wars, uh, Bounty Hunters, Darth Vader, and Dr. Aphra. The five issue War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries from Soul and Luke Ross, which will anchor the story, begins in June. I'm actually really excited for this. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm. I'm kind of interested to see what how this uh, how this brings in Afra and Valance because currently uh, I, I, dude, we I, have no idea where what Afra's been up to during that time period. We don't know what any of them. <laughs> we don't, that's the that's the thing about this time period between Empire and Return. We for years we had the non-canon canon uh, Shadows of the Empire. That's pretty much what we had thought happened. Now that's yeah. of course it's all been retconned. And it's just it's open it's open territory here. It's it's kind of sad because like during this time frame, I'll, there is some fans taking bets. I don't know if you've seen seen some of these articles taking bets. Who's going to die, Afra or Valance? Listen, never mind who's going to die, Dave. <laughs> Are they going to bring Dash Rendar in? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Because listen, if you're going to start writing this type of story. Oh, and dude. not bring in Prince, what, Zizer? Zizer. You, you got to bring in those characters. You got to. You, I understand that it's, it's been all been retconned, but so far, Star Wars has tried to go through that Rolodex, Lucasfilm, and say, all right, well, these were good characters that people really dug in this time period here. Let's bring them back. If they find a way to reintroduce Dash Rendar and Prince Zizor, That'll make me happy. Even if it's by name or in passing, I understand we have Baylart Valance right now. And if we have Baylart Valance and Dash Rendar, it might feel a little, uh, it, that just might be too much testosterone for people nowadays. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God, there's so much dick and masculinity. <laughs> I can't take Dash Rendar. Especially, especially in the, uh, because I, uh, I'm read through the star Wars article you sent me. And basically the, the one thing that has me really excited is apparently Boba Fett is going against literally everyone in the underworld is gunning for him. I love it because like they all want the bounty on solo. They want it for themselves. So you have Boba Fett has to deal with Jabba and all the other bounty hunters. He apparently has to deal with the black sun, which he has a black sun. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> one of the, that's one of the underground. I factions. know I'm joking. And then on Shut top up. of that, <laughs> For some strange reason, he has to deal with Darth Vader. And I'm like, why does the Emperor? Well, yeah, I can see the Empire saying, you know, we really want that body. <laughs> want It'll be interesting body. to see what they do. I'm excited. It's going to be really fun, dude. I um, think this is going to be fun. Yeah. Reyna, are you keeping up on the comics? If not, just remind silent. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not keeping. I can't keep up on the comics. There's too many of them. I'm only in like volume one of Dr. Afra. Oh, come on. Go been, start reading that. Start well. I have started reading it. I just haven't continued reading it. And hey, the fucking artwork on this is badass. Yeah, that preview you sent it me with Han Solo and the Carbonite. That fucking yeah, yeah. I need to. It's hard to yeah. keep up. 
I don't have time. It is time hard in the day. to keep up. You should at least read Afra. Afra, Afra and read Bounty Hunters uh, with um, Baylart Valance. It's only on issue, what, eight right now? Yeah. It's such a fun series. It's not overly complicated. It's not hard to read. It's very easy and okay. fun. I'm okay with fun sometimes. It doesn't need to be overly complicated for me. Okay. I can dig that. Yeah, do it. Read it, and uh, I'm going to have you do a book report. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to jump into some news about one of my favorite television writers and showrunners of all time getting involved with Star Wars. I'm fucking giddy. We'll be right back. Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. Free stuff is awesome. But free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, Rain Man, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, and even blow you away. Plus... Free shipping! Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. everyone to star wars from the back to tank be sure to find us on itunes stitcher spotify just search back to tank leave us reviews share our shows give us a thumbs up help us trigger those algorithms so more people can find our show also head over to patreon.com slash rainman digital and pledge three dollars or more a month and you will gain access to additional star wars discussions uh, we had just reviewed Thrawn and posted that a couple weeks ago. Yes. And we're going to continue our Thrawn discussions that will be exclusively available on Patreon. So patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. We're not trying to take advantage of people here, Dave. It's simply the only way we can stay on the air. In order to justify doing shows, and people may not be in the know, Dave, when it comes to, I should say, the amount of work we put into the network, the hours of of shows and content we put out, Literally, the only way we can continue to do this is through Patreon. So please consider going to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. All right, so writer for George Lucas, unfinished underworld series, ready to write for Star Wars again. Now, number one, I didn't even know this gentleman had ever written for Star Wars. And it's sad 
to begin with that we never saw George Lucas's original TV series titled Underworld. Yes. I'm depressed that we never even had the opportunity to see that. But what makes it even more depressing now for me, Dave, is that we had never. Let me backtrack. We. Or I should say I had no idea that Ron Moore was attached to Underworld. Yes. Did you know this? Yes, I did. He was part of that. He was part of Lucas's staff that think about this, Mike. I want you to think about this. Ronald D. Moore. Yeah. Writer and producer of Battlestar Galactica of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Dude, he is one of, I don't get giddy for celebrities, <laughs> like in the way of like actors. I, when I it's don't, writers, I, dude, I, it's I, different I, yeah. between me and you. Yes. I don't it, care if I saw Brad Pitt on the street or any other actor. I get excited for writers. And I still remember being so giddy during the Battlestar Galactica days, <laughs> going to Comic-Con and sitting in that panel. And I was just like, my eyes were glued. I was like, like, dude, I love you. It's I love your beard and your sexy long hair. <laughs> Can I touch it? Dude, he is one of the most talented writers out there. Oh, absolutely. Yes. He wrote for Star Trek, wrote some of the best episodes of Star Trek of all time. They are critically acclaimed episodes. I mean, and come on at Battlestar Galactica, if not the best, one of the best sci-fi television shows of all time. Or oh, dude, it made for, sci-fi. Let me forget sci-fi. One of the best dramas, dramas of all time. It made sci- it made sci-fi serious. That that series, Battlestar, made sci-fi relevant to the masses, not just like sci-fi fans, but to the masses. You had people talking about that series over water coolers, like basically like Breaking Bad. Yeah. And and it all, changed the, all the, the television. Battlestar there, Galactica changed. changed the game. Yeah. And Raul D. Moore was behind that. And imagine that. You have George Lucas doing a underworld series a, a a star wars series that probably dealt with the the or, criminal organizations not bounty hunters. probably that's exactly what it was about dude. yeah the cd yeah. underbelly and one of the writers on his staff was ronald d moore twi'lek prostitutes giving blowjobs to stormtroopers it was a thing the same <laughs> man who who basically was part of the writing team on star trek deep space Rainer just came when i said that did you hear <laughs> but imagine that and th- him coming back, if he comes back and actually writes, uh, uh, continues to write and carry the uh, carry Underworld back, mm-hmm. he would be one of. The, I think he's the only writer uh, writer that I know that could possibly bridge the gap oh, between you know Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, and Star Wars. David, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. He could very well bring Underworld back. I mean, imagine seeing a defunct series that Lucas that has Lucas all over it. Lucas's notes. Cause you know, Ronald Moore isn't going to be an asshole. Yeah. He, he is a very, he doesn't have an ego. Uh, he would probably, if he were to bring back this series, he would probably immediately go to Lucas and be like, Hey, listen, I want to get some notes. I want to have your blessing, but we're jumping ahead of ourselves here, Dave, because people may say, okay, that's fine and good. But what is this all about? Why are we talking about Ronald Moore? Why are we talking about star Wars underworld? Well, People may not realize that Ronald Moore recently signed a deal with Lucasfilm. Yes. It's a de- developmental has, deal. He has a development deal with Lucasfilm. 
which, come on, we already know what that means. That could mean anything he <laughs> wants to pitch to Lucasfilm. It could be an Indiana Jones prequel series. It could oh, be, dude, if he does Indiana Jones. Dude, you guys are so nerding good. so hard right now. <laughs> because he is good He's right now. He's a good writer. You guys so alone? Good. <laughs> yes. Let me just look at his photo real fast. Let me go there. <laughs> I mean, if you, think, if you think about it, Ronald D. Moore... I mean, the last couple of discussions we've had, we we gushed over the fact that Timothy Zahn returned to yeah. Star Wars with Thrawn, and that book was amazing. Okay, Ronald so- D. Moore comes back and basically says, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do another CD under underbelly Star Wars type." story all right hold on we're getting way too excited we're not even getting into the news topic okay so <laughs> he signed a development deal which okay that means he's going to be having meetings any day now with lucasfilm and he specifically says i've got a couple of notions in the back of my head he says during a recent interview ideas and arenas that i think would be fun to poke around the corners of the star wars universe so he's specifically <laughs> talking about universe. he's all like listen i don't care about red tails i'm not going to continue red tails <laughs> remember that shitty war film i'm not going to continue howard the fucking duck no i'm talking about star wars come on I signed it. what if they give him like fucking howard the duck hey thanks for signing a deal with, with us uh we would like you to continue howard the duck <laughs> That would just be uh, the the cherry on the cake that we all hate. That is Disney's decision making. But it sounds like he would do a good job, though. He would absolutely do a good <laughs> job. And if, if he were to bring Underworld back, the fact that Underworld was first off, it was a TV series that was taking place during the prequel era, which I think most of us hardcore Star Wars fans will agree that we all love the prequel era. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a fun, it's exciting. And even though we've explored it a lot, we really haven't. When you think about it, we've explored Anakin a lot in that time period. We've explored Obi-Wan a lot in that time period. But when it comes to the nuances of the prequel era, we haven't really explored it. So if we were to do that in an underworld setting and listen, I understand we have the Mandalorian and we have Boba Fett it may not work because those are essentially our underworld stories, right? Especially Boba Fett. But I'm not picky. Moore could probably pitch a, an idea about Jawas and fucking sand crawlers. <laughs> crawlers. <laughs> and I would be okay with it. He, he would make it the most epic story about Jawas ever. I have an idea about a Sarlacc pit. That's it. Let's well, make it. I, and I listen, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be excited for it. Good. We're going to watch 60 minutes of Sarlacc pits doing nothing. And tentacles coming out every once in a while. This cool. has me really, really wondering, dude. Back then, imagine who in the world did Lucas assemble as a writing staff to do Underworld? Ronald D. Moore was there. He was he was young at the time during Underworld. But could you imagine a lot of the writers nowadays that are pretty big names in the television that industry? That probably started over there. That probably started it started with it because Lucas handpicked them. Yeah, dude, he had written, it says on this interview, which again, I cannot believe I didn't know this. He specifically wrote scenes for Darth Vader. Yeah. He, there's 48 scripts. There's 48 scripts that are done. Wow. And, wow. And all of them that have must been hurt. That must hurt as a writer, knowing that you were writing a prequel era Star Wars that never saw the light of day. I actually, I actually uh, went further into the article and I found a long uh, quote from him detailing like what the process was. Uh, give me a sec here. All right. 
Let me just read this off for you. I was one of several. There was there was a bunch of international writers they assembled. We would gather up at Skywalker Ranch once every six to eight weeks, something like that. And we would break stories together. And right after we go off and write some drafts and bring them back and George uh, and George and we would sit down and critique them and then do another draft and break more stories. It was great. It was a ball. It was a ball. It was a lot of fun. It didn't happen. Ultimately, we wrote, I'd say somewhere in the 40 something, 48 scripts, something like that. Wow. 48 scripts. <laughs> can we can we have access to those, please? What in the world was the story that Lucas was working on? Did someone robbed that. Do you think those are locked away in like a Lucasfilm? Oh, Lucas has, a, Luca, Lucas has it locked up. You think Kathleen Kennedy promised Lucas that she was going to make him and then and then uh, lied to him? No, I think be released. No, I think Lucas has him in lock and key. No, he can't. He sold everything. Oh, yeah. Everything now belongs to them. He cannot. Sure. He probably has a copy, but he can't do anything with it. You think it'll ever be sold as some kind of legacy tribute? Oh, Oh, my God, dude. Wow. Awesome. That would be cool. Raina. You just, I think you just made uh, Mike hard, Raina. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've been hard the whole time. <laughs> All you had to do was mention Ronald D. Moore. <laughs> yeah. You make a cum sound again, that'll just finish it up. Go ahead. Which one, me or David? Come on. Yeah, okay, David, please. Go ahead, David. <laughs> I don't want to vomit. Right, we are actually out of time. We had a lot of other stuff to get to, but we're going to have to save it for next week. We'll be back here every single week until hell freezes over. Friday nights, we will be live again starting Friday, March 5th, I want to say, 7 p.m. You can find us on RM Channel 001 if you want to listen live on TuneIn, TuneIn.com. Yeah, we're going to have a fun time. I'm going to broadcast naked, <laughs> David. <laughs> I'm hoping that entices people to listen. Not that they can see me, but they can visualize it. Might be sexy. I'm losing weight, Dave. I'm trying to <laughs> get trim for summer season. Summer season. I beef up in the winter and I um I trim down in the summer when I gotta You gotta give up that Wendy's go to the pool. I do I haven't had Wendy's in a couple of weeks. Are you serious? And I'm calorie counting now. I'm I'm pouring my wine into a <laughs> measurement cup because I want to make sure I keep track of my Did you just laugh at me, Raina? I will I will find you and end you. I did. I silenced my mic, so, you know, it didn't get on the I'm recording. Tr- I'm trying to make my abs <laughs> pop out, okay? <laughs> All right. This does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you, Raina. Thank you. Thank you. May the force be with us. Oh, yes. <laughs>